If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 111 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on September 5th, 2021. Happy Labor Day weekend, my friends. It is completely insane that it's September already. (laughs) Our beloved, long, yet also short in a lot of ways because of how fast it goes, baseball season is almost over, and the playoff push with the extremely tight wild card is ongoing, guys, for this final month. And somebody might want to let the Yankees know, though, because they can't seem to figure out the worst team in the sport known as the Baltimore Orioles. I'm not wasting any time today, guys. And yeah, I understand how terrific the Yankees have been in the second half. And I do think the Yankees will make sure they take the series today. I really do. I'm not taking away from the second half or saying anything about today. And they better win today. (laughs) But this past week particularly this current series against the O's so far. I mean, what the hell? You want to tell me that yesterday especially isn't an embarrassment of the highest order? That the Yankees needed Friday night's drama to scrap out a win against an Orioles team that's 50-plus games under 500, and then they have a pitiful performance like yesterday when they're held hitless until the seventh inning? And then they did miraculously come back thanks to a well-overdue Joey Gallo. And then Aroldis Chapman, continuing to be as useless as anybody, and losing? Losing a September game amidst a playoff push to the Orioles. It's inexcusable. Yes, losses always happen in this long season. And am I probably a little angrier about this than I should be? Yeah, probably. (laughs) But that's how I get. You know me by now. But guys, when you're gifted with the cakewalk schedule the Yankees have for the most part over the next couple of weeks, especially with games against the Orioles in such a crucial time, that's not an excuse now. The fact that all losses happen, it's a long season, it's not an excuse now. It's inexcusable to lose that game yesterday. I don't care what anybody says. It's embarrassing. You gotta win today. You have to. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm honestly still just beside myself about that loss yesterday. And I know you guys love when I rant, but I I just, I honestly had to get that out of my system. You can't be losing games like that right now against a team like the Orioles. You can't. I mean, what are you doing? You want to go back to the gameplay of the first half? All the double plays coming back, the offense coming up dead so often? What's doing here, boys? What are you doing? Since I got home from Italy last Saturday, the Yanks are 2-5. And, and three of those five losses are against the Angels and Baltimore. I understand the Yanks have been blazing hot and teams go through slumps. But you can't let this get out of control. Not right now. With how tight the wild card is. This is warranted criticism, guys. Despite how good they've been this past week, this is still no time to go into an extended slump. You can't let this get out of control. Especially, again, because the wild card is so tight, especially between the Yankees and the Red Sox. You gotta try to hold on to that first wild card so you could secure home field advantage for that one-game death match. 
And again, as I've said for a while now, forget the division. Forget the division. Seven and a half back of Tampa coming into today because of a loss to the freaking Orioles with mere weeks left to go as Tampa actually defeats its bad opponents like the Twins right now, unlike the Yankees with the O's yesterday. And more about the Rays taking care of their bad opponents, specifically the Orioles, in what could very well be the difference in the division right now, here's a stat for you. The Yankees are 9-6, and six, have just won 9 out of 15 games against the Orioles. You want to know how many games the Rays have won against them? In 19 games? 18! They have one loss against the Orioles all year long. The Yankees have six, with still one series left to go against them this season. Think about that difference for a second and apply it to the division, because that could very well be the difference here. Or at least a difference. Gameplay against Baltimore. Tampa Bay takes care of business against them. The Yankees do not. And the Yankees haven't much taken care of business against the entire AL East as a whole this year. But their gameplay against the Orioles is a massive difference in the division this year. A team that should be beaten almost every single time you play them. But I digress. Back to the playoff picture like I was talking about before. I mean, the wild card is packed like sardines right now. You can't let this get out of control. I sound like a broken record, but I'm doing it because it's the truth. (sighs) Alright, anyways... Now that I'm done with that rant, let's set the table today, guys. For starters, the return of our social media segment. I thought I'd give you the floor again this week and answer your questions for me. So we'll do a social media Q&A again, followed, of course, by a recap of this past week's bad gameplay. And also news from Glaber and Kluber returning, good stuff there but also the bad side of it, because when is there ever not a bad side when it comes to injuries? (laughs) Like the future of Zach Britton for the rest of this season. And also others, including the potentially back-breaking news from last night on the Yankees' most consistent and just straight-up best reliever this year, Jonathan Loisaga. So let's get into it, my good people. But first, just a reminder that Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and the good people over at Ball9. Visit Ball9's website, ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And also, guys, be sure to follow me on all social medias at Mike Scudero, and why is my Facebook fan page? Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. And also, guys, don't forget to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees across all the platforms it's available on. Leave a like on the video if you're listening on YouTube and give me some feedback across the other platforms as well. And all of them are YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Those are all the platforms you could listen to Yapping Yankees on. So as usual, we will begin our social media segment here on Twitter. I am taking the first 10 questions that I got. I will answer them, and then I'll answer a few over on Instagram before we get to recap and news from this past week. And for my rant lovers, not to worry, because obviously, as you could probably imagine, in recap, I will be touching on a lot of the things that I already screamed about in the intro that I just had to get out of my system. So, not to worry, you'll be hearing more where that came from. All right, first question on Twitter comes from my friend Laura, Laura underscore Icemont, and she asks, it's obvious that Chapman isn't who he used to be, and having him as the closer is a risky move. If Chapman were to be removed from that spot, how will the Yankees use him the rest of the season? Well, first of all, I know these questions were submitted yesterday long before the Loisaga news, so just take that into account, as I have. But, especially with Loisaga being out now, I don't really... I don't really see how the Yankees have many other options to go to other than maybe a Chad Green who has also blown his fair amount of big games this year. So 
I don't really know what other role you could have for him now. I mean, if the Luaziga news didn't happen last night, my answer would probably be different. It would probably be what it's been for weeks now, that I would like for there to not even really be a designated closer, but if there were to be... It has to be Jonathan Loizaga, who, even as I said in the introduction, has been the most consistent and reliable Yankee reliever of the entire season. He's finally put it all together, his fastball, his slider, it's so electric. And now he's out, so with him being out, that very much changes a lot of people's answers, including mine. But if you're the Yankees, I mean, you kind of have to keep putting Chapman there now and just hoping that he figures it out, or... Maybe you use him in a in a lesser situation, which is tough because th- there's not a lot of time for him to figure it out left. <laughs> it's it's we're gonna be in the middle of September come next week already, and there's mere weeks left in the season. So unfortunately, right now, I think you have to unfortunately keep pushing the issue, which I hate because I don't trust Chapman as far as I could throw him right now, nor does anybody, I think. So I think that's the answer. I mean, how would the Yankees use him the rest of the way? I definitely think the Yankees are going to be using him as a closer still. I think they're going to have to keep pushing the issue. But as far as what I think, I mean, I would like to try him in other innings, maybe the 7th, the 8th. But not only do the Yankees not have many options to go with, especially with Loizaga being out now, but it would be a big change for Chapman to adjust to. And I don't know what that would do for his already shot confidence. And there's not a lot of time for him to figure it out, really. So you might just have to push the issue, unfortunately. Maybe you try alternating him and Chad Green as closer for now, since you really don't have any other choice as far as back-end relievers. I mean, you also have guys like Clay Holmes, who's been fantastic. Uh, You have Wandy Peralta, who's had plenty of good outings. He's also had his bad outings. But again, there's not many other options left now. You got to take these things into account. But yeah, him being the closer is definitely risky. He's He had a, a decent stretch there where he was doing better for a few weeks, but I mean, right back to being bad again yesterday, and who knows what that did to his confidence going forward, and I doubt he's available in today's game. The bullpen seems to be a bit short going into today's game here on Sunday, but it's a tough situation with Chapman. It really is. Let's keep going, because I assume we're going to get a lot of Chapman questions. So up next is Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca asks... Would you continue to use Chapman? Yep, here we go. (laughs) Would you continue to use Chapman as the Yankees' closer, or would you remove him from that role? And if so, who would you name as closer? Well, like I said to Laura just a moment ago, Rebecca, if the Luizaga news hadn't have come out, I would have removed him and put in the guy who I've been saying for weeks now, in Jonathan Luizaga. But that can't be done now. And who knows for how long. The Yankees seem to be somewhat optimistic from what I've heard here in the morning that he could return before the season's over. But that's a big change to the answer, what happened with Loisica, because that would be my answer. But now, especially because you have limited options left with that, unfortunately, you kind of have to push the issue with Chapman, I think. And I think that's exactly what the Yankees are going to do. And I even think that's what the Yankees would continue to do even if Loizaga were around because that's what they've continued to do in the first place, no matter how many times Chapman has blown games in the last couple of months. But now the only real option you're left with is maybe a Chad Green, or because of how great he's done in his short stint with the Yankees since the trade deadline, if you want to do it, you could even maybe throw Clay Holmes in there if you have no one else to go to because Holmes has been terrific. But like you and everyone else, Rebecca, I don't trust Chapman as far as I could throw him, but especially with the Loisega news, you have very limited options now. Very limited. So it's complicated. Next up, we have at Helen Boy, and they say, should Clay Holmes close games? Well, I just mentioned before, I mean, especially if you have no one else, if Chad Green or Aroldis Chapman in this last stretch of the season here aren't available, or if you just want to try him out in general, then yeah, I guess he could. Because in this short stint with the Yankees, he's been terrific. Like I said last week, when that move was first made, I was kind of indifferent towards it, but I'm no longer indifferent towards it. He has been unbelievable. So yeah, why not? I mean, especially if you have Green and or Chapman not available on a certain day, or if you need to use one of them before the ninth inning, especially Chad Green, then yeah, why not? I would say he's earned that, because he's been really good since coming over here. Up next, we have at NYY Sports Fan 96, and they ask, 
Where do you think the Yankees will play the wild card? And why are the Yankees only 9-6 and six against Baltimore? As of today, after the Yankee game, well, meaning yesterday he was talking about, they are one game up on Boston for home field advantage in the wild card game. They're about to be a half a game ahead of Boston if they win tonight, which of course they did. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> I mean, listen, why are they 9-6 and six against Baltimore? I mean, like I said in the introduction, it's inexcusable. It just is. They just haven't gotten the job done against them, where everybody else has, like the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 18-1 and one against them this year. And the Yankees are 9-6. and six. And if the Yankees have the nerve to lose today's game, then they'll be 9-7, and seven, which is... There's just no word for it beyond inexcusable, embarrassing, humiliating, pitiful, uh, insert word here. So that's the deal with that. Regardless of the reason, it's just, it can't be excused. And like I said, it is a big difference in this division. It is. And where do I think the Yankees will be playing the wild card? I mean, I hope they play the wild card at all. If they keep on losing games like that yesterday against the Orioles... You might have a tough time even securing the wild card, which I don't think the Yankees will lose the wild card. Whether it be the first or second one, I think they will get one. But you better start winning the games you have to. Because if you play the Orioles like this and you can't beat the Orioles, (laughs) yikes. That's all I have to say. But I think they could hold on to the first one. Just don't let Boston get too hot. Don't let them get too hot. So, I mean, fortunately you have, in the very near future, this coming week again, I believe, the Red Sox and Rays will be playing each other again, so they'll be beaten up on each other again shortly. But, and that's actually starting tomorrow now that I look at it, but the Yankees got to focus on themselves and win these games they have to win, like these games against the Orioles. These are must-win games. You can't be losing games to the Orioles. You can't. So that's basically that. I guess that's my answer to that question. Up next is at Laura underscore Navens, and Laura asks, what do you think that a possible playoff rotation would look like? We have three pitchers coming back from injury, so they don't want to overdo it with them. Well, of course, Garrett Cole would be one. There's no question about that. And then it comes to who do you trust most after that? Do you trust Nestor most? Do you trust Tyone most? Do you trust Montgomery most? I would say two should either be Montgomery or Nestor. So you could flip-flop either of those for two and three, and then Tyone for four, because usually a playoff rotation only contains four pitchers, so I guess that's your four. I don't really know. If if Kluber has not had the build that the Yankees would have liked come playoff time, then he could be using the bullpen, I guess, for long relief. Otherwise, maybe you throw Kluber in there too, maybe put him at four. Or if he does have a very good build and is really ready to go come playoffs, maybe you put him at two if you trust him that much. If he's looking like May Kluber, I, I don't know. It could be anything. But I I am almost positive that one, two, and three should be Cole and then either Nestor or Montgomery for two or three. You could flip-flop either one if you ask me. But that's at least one through three. What you want to do after that with Kluber, Tyone... That's up for discussion. I assume a lot of different people would have different opinions about that. And of course, it also depends on what happens for the rest of the season, for the rest of the way. But if a Severino were to return, and we're going to talk about this more later in Recap 2 with their latest update on him, but I don't really see him having a role much bigger than a relief pitcher, so he would be long relief, I think. And the same, I think, would apply for Domingo Herman. So that would be my idea for a playoff rotation, I suppose. Up next is at just a kid from JP, and they ask, why do the Yankees lose to inferior competition all the time? (laughs) Well, that's a terrific question, and especially in the case of yesterday. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, in the case of yesterday, I mean, it was just the fact of the offense being dead, and then just Chapman just falling apart again. So that was the case for yesterday, but there's a reason for every time, but it's inexcusable. Especially games like yesterday, it's inexcusable. Especially in a September playoff push right now. That's the main thing, the timing of it. This is not the time to be losing to the Baltimore Orioles. It's just not the time. So it could be a myriad of different things. It could be the pitching messing up. It could be the offense being dead. It's a whole, it's a whole array of things. Up next is at SirGerm88, and they ask, Going forward, would you have confidence in Chapman as closer, or would you sit him for a few games? 
I mean, especially with the Loisaga news, I mean, you can't really afford to sit Chapman right now. You need all hands on deck. But I'm given the same answers I gave everybody else who had Chapman questions, which is almost everybody in these replies. But you kind of have to force the issue right now. I don't know if you use him in other innings until he regains confidence again, even though there's really not a lot of time for that to happen, like I said. But it's tough. It's a tough call right now. Because Chapman's still going out there without his best fastball to the point where he has to over-rely on his slider, which sometimes he can't locate that, and it gets hit. And it's just not good. He doesn't throw that splitter at all anymore virtually. He just stopped throwing it. I guess he either lost confidence in it or just forgot about it. And when he doesn't have his good fastball, which is frequent nowadays, he has to over-rely on that slider that oftentimes gets hit, which is unfortunate. Because you never like to get beaten with anything other than your A pitch, which for Chapman is his fastball. Which on days like yesterday and plenty of others lately, he did not have control of. So you don't really sit him for a few days because you kind of need him. (laughs) You just need him to figure it out. It's tough. It's really, you're caught between a rock and a hard place if you're the Yankees with this, especially with the Loisaga news. That makes it even more complicated. At bottom line, WMCX asks, What's your number one concern with the Yankees right now? Well, there are plenty of concerns. (laughs) It's tough to pick one. I mean, the starting rotation is starting to slip up a little bit. You've had Tyone struggling a bit more lately. You obviously have Corey Kluber rebuilding after months of being out with his injury. You got bullpen concerns with Chapman still having a tough time, Britton being out the rest of the year, and with... Loisaga being gone now, that is a death blow. And you even have the offense this past week having their days where they just go silent. There are a lot of issues right now. And it's scary that these are rearing their ugly heads at literally the worst time. A September playoff push where the Yankees have to do all they can to hold on to that first wild card. And it is the worst timing you can imagine. So it's tough to pick a number one, but... If I had to, I would maybe say the bullpen right now. The bullpen's worrying me. With Loisaga going down, Britton being out, and Chapman struggling, those are big holes, and you're going to need a lot of guys to step up in their place. You're going to need Clay Holmes to still be Clay Holmes and be as dominant as he's been. You're going to need Wandy Peralta to be dominant. And it wouldn't hurt to maybe get Luis Heel back too, maybe for long relief or maybe to help out the rotation so the Yankees could have a starter that could eat more innings and maybe take some pressure off that bullpen, which with the way things are looking, it being short today and the Yankees going a while now without a day off, this bullpen could be very well blown out by the time we talk next week. And that's bad in this stretch right now. So they can maybe even call on some reinforcements like Luis Heal. But regardless, they're going to need a lot of guys to step up. So if I had to pick a big concern right now, I'd say the bullpen. I guess that's my number one. All right, let's do two more questions and then I'll answer a couple over on Instagram. Let's see. I'm going to avoid Chapman questions because I answered plenty of those about that already. Want to get some fresh questions in? All right. Up next is my friend Spencer at Musician DMD, and Spencer asks, On 9-11, I had tickets to the Yankees versus the White Sox. The game, of course, never happened. As someone who was very young at that time and may have struggled to grasp those events, what are your thoughts on next week's series between the Yankees and the Mets commemorating the 20th anniversary? It's a good question, Spencer. And yeah, I was young. I was a couple of months off from being five years old. Uh, The only thing that I really remember from 9-11 mostly, and I've spoken about this before, was me coming into my family room with the TV on and my mom with her head in her hands crying, seeing the smoke on the television. That's really mainly the only memory I have of 9-11, and of course I didn't really understand what it meant. But regardless, I of course, everybody does, who's old enough to comprehend it, knows how massive of a day 9-11 is, obviously. And I'm looking forward to see what they do with a Yankees and Mets matchup for the 20th anniversary. I said in the offseason when the schedule for this season came out how great of an idea I thought it was to have the two New York teams face each other for it, and the beautiful ceremony I'm sure is going to come with it at Citi Field, and I still think it will be, and that'll be this Saturday, so that'll be the day before I talk to you again next Sunday. So I, I, I think it's great. 
I I think it's a great idea. I thought it was months ago, and I still think it is. And I hope it's touching. I hope it's heartfelt. I hope it tells the story of the spirit of New York, everything that the city and its people all throughout the state and all throughout the country, too, went through when that happened 20 years ago. And it's nuts that that's 20 years ago. Can't freaking believe it. But I think it's a fantastic idea. And I'm looking forward to that. There are a lot of things happening this week that I'm looking forward to. There's Derek Jeter's induction into the Hall of Fame, which was supposed to happen last year. Thanks for nothing, COVID. And I'm looking forward to that finally happening this week. My favorite athlete, not just Yankee or baseball player of all time, my favorite athlete of all time being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Can't wait for that. I love that interview that Jack Curry did with him, all those voicemails from this past week. It was amazing. But I can't wait for that. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do for 9-11 at City Field this weekend. It really should be special. It really should be. So those are my thoughts. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing. I'm sure it will be. And I hope the game to follow is amazing, appropriately. It's a really good question, Spencer. Alright, let's hammer down one more, a tenth one. And then we will head on over to Instagram and read a couple. Last question comes from Mike Nelson at MD Nelly, and Mike asks, you have to settle on one and only one lineup that gets penciled in every day for the rest of the season. What is it? And the batting order as a bonus question. Okay, that's a good one. That is a good one. Fortunately, I read this question earlier and did put together a lineup of my own, so here goes. I'm a believer that it couldn't hurt for the Yankees to try something different at leadoff and give someone who is more deserving currently of having more at-bats, more at-bats. So I'm starting off with Aaron Judge at leadoff. Starting in center field, I'm going with Rizzo at two at first base, Stanton at three in right field, so right, left, right, and then Gio Urshela at cleanup at third base because I just... Love Geo. I think that's a good spot for him. I know a lot of people might take issue with that because they think that the cleanup spot is for pure power. I mean, I guess you could switch Voight and Urshela where I have them if you want, but I'm putting Geo at cleanup because I think it's really good to have him there after a big power hitting Stanton. And then you have Voight at five. That's why I like to break them up. Power, contact, power. And then for a lefty, you have Gallo at six in left field. Glaber Torres batting 7th at shortstop, Gary Sanchez batting 8th at catcher, and DJ LeMahieu batting ninth at 2nd. So that's my lineup. Judge, Rizzo, Stanton, Urshela, Voigt, Gallo, Torres, Sanchez, and LeMahieu. I think that would be a really good lineup to try out. That's just my opinion. But that is all the time that we have for today with Twitter on the Q&A, I want to thank each and every one of you, including the ones I unfortunately did not get to for submitting a question for this week's episode. I love you guys all so much for the interactions. You know that. But we're going to head on over to Instagram right now and just answer a couple of questions over there before getting to recap and news. So up first on Instagram, we have Tina at MountainGal456. And Tina asks... Would you rely on Chapman as our closer in a do-or-die game to head into the playoffs? If no, who would you like to see as our closer? Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you, Tina. And I assume I could just redirect you back to all the other previous Chapman replies I had to everybody else on Twitter. So, in a do-or-die game, obviously before the Loisaga news comes out, I go with Jonathan Loisaga. If it's going to be someone else other than Aroldis Chapman, but... Like I said before, especially with the limited time left and with Loisaga being out and just overall having limited options at that back end with someone like Zach Britton being out for the rest of the year too, and even when he was in, he wasn't himself in the time that he did pitch this season, you kind of have to push the issue. So, I mean, you could try other guys like Peralta or Clay Holmes if you're desperate, but I see the Yankees pushing Chapman to just get his confidence back and return to form like he was in the first two, two and a half months of the season. And I think that's the only way you could really go right now because I think in the current situation, like I explained earlier, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. So I guess that's my answer for that. It would be much easier if Loisaga was still here, but now that he's out, at least for the next two weeks at least, then that's, that's tough. 
It's a tough question, but you could go with any of those if it's not Chapman. But this sort of discussion right now is why, if I had to pick a number one concern of all the concerns there are, that's why the bullpen's my number one. It's a tough situation right now. Next, we have my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic asks, how many games do the Yankees have to win going forward to make the playoffs? And if they do make the playoffs, what do you think the outcome will be? Well, how many games? There's no specific amount. I mean, it also depends on what the other teams do. If you finish ahead of the Oakland A's, if you finish ahead of the Red Sox, it depends on that. But I would say the Yankees definitely have to put up at least 92, 93. I would say something like that, like 92, anywhere from like 90 to 92. I think that's definitely fair to say. And uh, what do I think the outcome in the playoffs will be? I mean, if these concerns stick around, I hate to say it, guys, but they won't go far. If their pitching can't pitch deep into games and their bullpen blows games like they've had a habit of doing at times during the season and their offense goes to sleep, then not much is going to happen for them. Not much. Because those problems have remained at times in this beyond bizarre peaks and valleys season. But if everything clicks all together, of course, then we know how dangerous the Yankees can be. It's just a matter of what happens. But if they play like they have this past week where some of their old issues have resurfaced and you're losing a guy like Luizaga in this crucial of a time, I don't know. (laughs) It's not promising. It's tough to tell exactly. There's no way to tell exactly about a month out from the playoffs. But if they don't get it together and they're missing a guy like Luizaga who's been their best reliever, their most reliable reliever, that, that significantly hurts your chances. It really does. I'm just being honest. So, let's finish up with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom asks, Okay, seriously, do you think we need to run back to Italy because the Yankees played insane every day we were there? (laughs) Are the Yankees in jeopardy again with these losses? What is happening? (laughs) Well, mom, as a frequent listener of the show, you do know that I made a little bit of a fun jab at the fact that, hey, the reason the Yankees started losing was because we came home. (laughs) They won every single game while we were gone, and then the first time they lost on Saturday against the A's after that 13-game winning streak, that was the night we got home. So, (laughs) yeah, I made a little fun jab about that myself, so I hear you. I mean, maybe we do need to go back. You want to go back? I'd be glad to. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, listen, if this gets out of control, like I said in the introduction, especially in games like these against the Orioles, I mean... If it gets out of control, then yeah, they could be in jeopardy. They could be. I don't think they'll lose a wild card spot. They can lose the first one, possibly, because them and the Red Sox are neck and neck right now. But, I mean, anything could happen if it gets ugly enough. This is the most crucial time right now. The most crucial push. They've got to get it together, and they can't let it spiral out of control. They can't. Especially not after all the amazing work they've done in the second half up to this point. They just can't let it happen. And losing games like last night is just unacceptable and inexcusable. That's all there is to it. And you cannot let it spread like a wildfire after that. And with the Blue Jays coming in, being very hot, coming in for the next series, and if you can't beat the Orioles, if you can't figure out Baltimore, then you're definitely going to be having a tough time against a team with an offense like the Blue Jays. So... You got to figure it out, and you cannot let it get out of control. You just can't. I'm like a broken record, but I am like a broken record because that's just the way that it is, and that's the truth. And the main truth of the fact is that I love every single one of you for interacting on this social media segment like every single week that I do it. So I thank all of you once again for your interactions, for your questions, for the whole deal every week with the social media segment whenever it is to happen. And I am sorry, as always, to all of you who I did not get to. It happens every week because there are just simply too many of you, but it doesn't mean I appreciate you any less. And if you want to see some questions for yourself, including the ones I didn't get to over on Twitter at least, can't see the ones on Instagram because those are done in DM and you don't have access to that. So if you want to see them over on Twitter, then go on over to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero. Just find the Q&A tweet, and all the questions are down in the comments. But for now, my friends, to wrap up the show and this miserable past week, mostly, of Yankees baseball, 
Let's hop into the Yapping Yankees time machine and recap all of the news and action from this past week. Let's do it. Okay, last Sunday, final game of the four-game set in Oakland. Yanks looking to take the series, but instead, mainly thanks to an extremely quiet offense for the second day in a row at the time, the Yanks would have to settle for a split as they lost 3-1, to one. which, while I would always rather a win, obviously, given their recent history in Oakland and the fact that the Sox lost, it wasn't the end of the world. And that's obviously not so much the case now, since the race is even closer than it was at the time last Sunday, but just speaking as of at the time. The only other bad thing, other than losing, of course, was that the Rays won. Again. So the Yanks did lose another game on them in the standings, but anyway, Montgomery started, and again, the poor guy and this would continue in his latest start after this as well as we know, just no run support. Since the only run the Yankees scored on the day was on an error by Matt Chapman in the seventh on a ball scorched by a pinch-hitting Anthony Rizzo. But while Montgomery was in the game, he threw six innings, only allowing a run that wasn't even earned thanks to an error by Gio, who just had a tough day on defense, walking no one, and striking out three. And then in the eighth, Chad Green, who, as I mentioned briefly in the Q&A, has had a habit of doing this quite a bit this year, gave up a go-ahead two-run shot in a one-to-one tie in the eighth to Tony Kemp, who absolutely killed the Yankees that day. And the Yankees would lose three-to-one and again have to settle for a split in Oakland, which for divisional purposes, again, stunk, because the Rays won yet again, as per freaking usual, so they fell six back at the time, out of first. Monday, my God in heaven, was this freaking game insane. (laughs) If only it had a good ending to it for the Yanks, though. Kluber was reactivated from the injured list as they announced last week that he would be, and they sent Albert Abreu back down to AAA in exchange for the roster, while also transferring Zach Britton to the 60-day IL. No surprise there. But Kluber started, and he was given a 2-0 lead right away in the first on a Rizzo RBI double. Forza Rizzo, as always, (laughs) had himself a good night. And the second run came home on a Stanton double play ball. And through the first three innings, Kluber looked amazing. Three hitless innings. He really looked great. And you know he wasn't going to go deep into the game, obviously. You knew that. But he started off great. The fourth inning, though, he melted down. Completely collapsed. The Angels changed their approach. Kluber definitely hit a wall himself, whether it be fatigue or otherwise, and he allowed five runs, four of them on a grand slam by Mayfield, the eight hitter. He and Lagares, the eight and nine hitters, just killed the Yankees. So Kluber's final line, four innings, five runs, all in that fourth inning, two walks, and six strikeouts. So... It definitely sucked that Kluber's start had to end that badly when the first three innings of the four were fantastic. They were terrific. Battle of the bullpens after that, though, with the Yanks down 5-2 to two after that grand slam. And the offense showed a lot of resilience after that. They retied it over and over. They tied it at 5 on a DJ RBI single, a Judge RBI single, and a Stanton RBI single. So Stanton, again, with another amazing night. And then Andrew Heaney came in out of the pen for the first time in his new long relief role and gave up two runs in two innings, which 
Should come as no surprise since the guy gives up runs for a living. But the offense had his back too. On a two-run moonshot by Stanton, again continuing his red-hot hitting and tying it at seven. But in the bottom of the eighth, the pitching yet again spits right in the offense's face with Peralta giving up a leadoff hit after pitching a scoreless seventh and then Clay Holmes later in the inning with two outs allowing that run to score on a single by one freaking Lagaris. Eight to seven Angels and that would be the final. And as far as the playoff race, the Rays beat the Red Sox for their eighth win in a row. Hence, like I also spoke about last week, why the Yanks hadn't been able to gain any ground, even despite winning 13 games in a row. But in just three days at this point, where the Yankees lost three little games in a row after this loss, they lost three games right away in the standings, finding themselves now seven back at the time. So, it's just a testament to how great Tampa is, man. They are just pests. And it further reinforced the feeling that I had a while ago, that the division just wasn't going to happen. I really had fun with the fact that it was actually in play during the winning streak, but now my thought from a while back has begun to look awfully true, but anyways, crazy game on Monday, not ending the way the Yankees wanted. And unfortunately, that would continue on Tuesday night as the Yanks lost 6-4. to Finishing off what was Otherwise, a terrific August on a rough note, extending the losing streak to four after having won 13 in a row and also falling eight games back behind the Rays since the Rays won again that night, their ninth in a row at the time. So again, like I said about the division just a minute ago, it made the wild card look even more realistic again. And this would also be the first Yankees series loss since the Red Sox series from July 22nd to July 25th. Yeah, they were 10-0-1 in their last 11 series. 10 wins and one split. And that one split happened with Oakland last weekend. So before that Oakland series, they had won 10 series in a row, as I had also mentioned last week. So that's wild too. But Tyone started this game, and in very familiar fashion to the night before, he was given a lead after the first three innings pitched were stellar, and then everything just fell apart. The first Yankee run was on a solo shot by Rizzo in the fourth, and in that bottom half, Tyone just gave up three on a three-run shot by Walsh, who continues to own the Yankees, and off a curveball too for some reason, after the fastball had been working so well for Tyone all night, they throw him a curveball. The same guy who hit that hanging slider to Mars off Chapman earlier in the season in that bone-crushing loss at Yankee Stadium. So like the night before, have a lead going into the fourth inning after a first three stellar innings, and then it just all falls apart in the fourth inning. And in the fifth inning, he gave up three more runs, one of them on a steal of home with Joely Rodriguez in. So his final line was four and two-thirds, five hits, six runs, shooting his ERA up again, which is a damn shame after how much he drove it down when he was doing terrific for like a month and a half or two. Two walks and six strikeouts. And the other three Yankee runs were on a Gary solo shot, first home run in what feels like forever for him, a Judge RBI single, and a Stanton sack fly that just missed being a game-tying three-run shot. Just missed it. And other than that, the rest of the night was filled with 85 double-freaking plays, just like old times. Angels won 6-4. to four. And during the game, it was also announced that Britain is getting that elbow surgery that they said was possible, and that it's another bone chip removal, like the one he already had months ago that kept him out for most of the first half. So because of that, he's done for the year, 
And the Yanks transferred him to the 60-day IL, as we know, and now we knew when this was announced why they did that, because the surgery was happening. So, hopefully his surgery is a success, of course, and that he's good and ready for spring training, because this season was just an awful one for him. Awful. He barely pitched, and when he did, he just clearly wasn't himself. So... Hopefully he's good for next year. Hopefully. And they also started a rehab assignment for Michael King. I didn't think we'd hear anything about him anytime soon, but maybe we'll see him in the near future because Lord only knows now, as I've been saying all show long, that the Yankees are desperate for some bullpen arms right now. So that was the news from Tuesday that Zach Britton is in fact done for the year with another bone chip removal surgery and that Michael King could also be on his way back after months of being out. Wednesday, final day in Anaheim, first day of September, hoping to avoid the sweep. Rosters expand with September call-ups. Yanks called up Floreal and Krisky. Lots going on. (laughs) Even Gio was out of the lineup because he apparently hurt his hand a bit on that stealing home play the night before. So he was out. But when it came to the game, thankfully, the Yankees were able to salvage the final game and avoid the sweep, finishing the road trip having gone 5-4. and The Yanks did put up four runs on a two-run single by Voigt, and it was awesome to see him in the lineup after the Yanks had barely played him on the road trip, and everyone, including myself, was in an uproar about it. Because they have the ability to play him, Stanton, and Rizzo all at once, as we've discussed 80 times, and they just didn't, even though Voigt was also on a hot streak. So that was awesome to see, him being in the lineup again. Gardy got an RBI single, and Judge hit his 30th home run of his fantastic season, a solo bomb to left field. But despite all of that, The main story of the day was none other than our ace, Garrett Cole. Remember the good old days when people thought that he would just magically be a horrific pitcher after all the Spider-Tack crap? (laughs) Good times. Good times. Way to believe in your ace. Wednesday, he went seven innings, only allowing four hits, one run, walking nobody and striking out 15 freaking guys. 15! (laughs) He struck out Otani three times, completely overmatched him. In all of the starts throughout the season where we've said Garrett Cole didn't necessarily have his absolute best stuff, his A stuff, but he still manages to have a great start, well, Wednesday night, he had his best. And it was seven innings of murder. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. The Yanks again would go on to win 4-1 and thankfully salvage a game in Anaheim to end the West Coast trip as it was also a very good way to start September. Friday not only saw a win, thankfully, especially given where we are now, to start the current three-game set against the O's, albeit an excruciating one. (laughs) It also saw the return of Glaber Torres from the injured list against the team that he loves to hit against, no less. And I gotta be honest, on his first night back, I really liked how his swings were looking. I really did. He was more aggressive, better approaches all around, and I liked it. I liked what I saw, and I hope it keeps up. Too bad he had off the next day, yesterday, after being on the injured list for weeks, but that's neither here nor there. So, welcome back to Glaber. They sent Floreal back down in exchange, and it was also made known, another piece of news, that Gio's MRI on his hand, thankfully, came back clean. No structural or significant damage, so he's been day-to-day, and hopefully he doesn't get any worse than that. I'm pretty sure he should be available for today's game here on Sunday. That should be starting pretty soon from when I'm recording. So if he is in fact available, hopefully that means that 
the Yankees can get him back in the starting lineup sometime soon, maybe within the next day or two. But the game, painful, as I'm sure you remember. <laughs> Didn't need to be this stressful against a team coming in at 50 games under 500. But as I always say, a win is a win. Uh, Nestor started the game, and he went five and two-thirds, only allowing a run on a solo missile by Mancini at the very end of his start. Four hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts. So another great start for the beautiful mystery known as Nestor Cortez. While he was in, the Bats gave him two runs to work with, one on a solo nuke by our Lord and Savior that night, and many other nights of late, Giancarlo Stanton, and a DJ sack fly. And as a matter of fact, they were the only sources of driving in runs for the whole night. Because later on, after the Orioles tied it at two on a solo shot by former Yankee Jorge Mateo, off Loisaga of all people, and then would proceed to take a 3-2 lead over the Yankees in the 10th, in the bottom of the 10th, DJ got a game-tying RBI single, driving in a pinch-running Tyler Wade. And then in the bottom of the 11th, after the Yankees held the Orioles scoreless in the top half, in the bottom half, Giancarlo Stanton, yet again, coming through in the clutch for what feels like the millionth time, walk-off RBI single right up the middle, a friggin' bullet at 121 miles per hour, the Yankees won a very stressful game to open up what should be a very easy series, but has not been at all, 4-3. to three. And finally, for this week's recap, yesterday. Second game of the series, a game that contained cosmic levels of embarrassment that cannot be appropriately put into any language. And a game that I am still fuming over. And I am borderline begging the Yankees to go out there and win today so I could get it out of my memory. Jordan Montgomery and his 14, now 15, no decisions took the mound. (laughs) Never any run support, as I said before. And that wouldn't change yesterday, guys. In fact, while he was in, the Yankees didn't even get one single hit. And they wouldn't get one until the seventh inning anyway. So, less than no help for Montgomery, even though lots of hard hits also just found gloves, unfortunately. But sometimes that happens in baseball, guys. Sometimes you just get unlucky. But it's no excuse against an opponent like the Orioles. And it also really didn't help that the pitching approach in Montgomery's outing was infuriating. Nibbling around the strike zone the entire start as if every hitter was Barry freaking Bonds against the worst team in the sport. And after that infuriating approach, the one run that he did allow in the end of all of it was on a wild freaking pitch in the fourth. So Montgomery's final line was four and two-thirds, didn't even make it through five against the Orioles, so that's not great. Six hits, the one run, two walks, and five strikeouts. And then after Wandy Peralta decided to come in and stink up the joint by giving up two more, the seventh inning came around. And on an infield RBI single by a pinch-hitting Glaber, the Yanks finally decided to break into the hits and scoring column. Took seven innings to do either against the worst team in baseball. How nice of them. Eighth inning, like I said before, a way overdue Joey Gallo hit a game-tying two-run homer, 3-3. Three to three. And in the top of the ninth, a Roldis Chapman. After starting the inning with Mountcastle reaching first on a dropped third strike, allowed the O's to take a 4-3 to three lead on a Severino sack fly as Chapman proves to be incompetent yet again. And the Yanks would go down without a pulse in the bottom of the ninth, again losing a completely 
inexcusable game against the worst team in baseball, the Orioles, who, as I mentioned before, now have six wins against the Yankees this year. Having had more success against the Yankees than they did against any other team in the game. The Yankees not being able to sweep them, especially in a tight playoff push right now, like I said earlier, guys, it's simply unacceptable. Unacceptable. And I don't want to hear any defense of it, because there is none. But before I tell you what's ahead for this coming week, I'll run through a couple of noteworthy injury updates heading into the end of this weekend. Domingo Herman, who's been out since August 1st with shoulder inflammation, as we know, is progressing. He threw a bullpen on the 3rd and will throw another on the 6th tomorrow, apparently. And he says he feels good. And the Yanks hope that he can return at some point this month in a relief role, which at this point in the season with how much time there is left, definitely makes sense. Gio, we know he's still day-to-day with the hand. And Luis Severino, he's been doing a throwing program as we know, and the main hope for him, as anticipated this late in the game, like Herman, is that he could maybe return as a relief option out in the bullpen especially in the playoffs, depending on what happens. But it's not definite, since he hasn't even thrown from a mound again. And the end of the season will obviously be here before we know it, so we'll see. But it's not looking too great for Seve with time winding down, as his horrible breaks just don't seem to ever want to end. And of course, just announced today, Jonathan Loisaga. Like I've been saying, it could not have come at a worse time during a late-season playoff push, but he is on the 10-day injured list with a shoulder strain. And this one completely discouraged me, because obviously we've said it, Luizaga has been invaluable to this bullpen. Invaluable. The most reliable and consistent arm out there. This is a devastating loss for the Yankees. Devastating. And he's had shoulder problems in the past, and for all of them, I hate to discourage you even more, but he's missed at least a month with all of them, I believe. So let's just pray that he gets back as soon as possible, because in a season of late-game struggles for the pen... Of course, he's had his days too because he's still human. He'll have his bad days. But amidst all the late-game meltdowns, 99% of the time, he's been a source of stability throughout all of that with finally putting his electric stuff all together this year. So with any luck whatsoever, he'll be back before long. And I hope he is because any extended run or, God forbid, the rest of the year with Loisaga being out that punctures a massive hole in the Yankees' chances overall. It really does, whether you like it or not. And Albert Abreu was recalled in his place. Okay, what's ahead until we talk again next Sunday? You got today's game against the O's, of course, which, again, they better win. Hasn't started yet at the time I'm recording, so better get the damn win. I'm telling you, you better Tomorrow starts a four-game set against the Red Hot Blue Jays at the stadium. Labor Day special starts at 1.05 Eastern with Tyone starting tomorrow. And Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday's games will all be at 7.05 Eastern. Garrett Cole will go again on Tuesday. And then Friday, as I mentioned before with the one of the questions I had in the Q&A segment, the Yanks head to City Field for the weekend of 9-11 to play a three-game weekend set against the Mets. Friday's game will be at 7-10 Eastern, Saturday will be at 7-40 Eastern, and Sunday will be at 8-08 Eastern to conclude the Subway Series. But as for now, my friends, that is all for episode 111 of Yapping Yankees Today. 
Remember to follow me on socials, guys. Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And follow me on Instagram as well at Mike Scuds 97. And also subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. Leave a like down below on the video if that's where you're listening. But also show it some love on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And while you're at it, if you got the time, don't forget to listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 111 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, guys. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, September 12th, when I come at you with episode 112 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, my friends, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, snap the hell out of this crap right now. (laughs) I may be chuckling, but I am dead serious. Snap out of it. Enjoy your Labor Day tomorrow and the rest of your week, my friends. Take care. (laughs) 